You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. So now let's see what Banu Quraidha did. The Jews of Banu Quraidha, they had already expected that something bad would happen if the Ahzab lose the battle. See, they already knew. If we conspire with the Ahzab and Abu Sufyan and we win, okay, we get rid of Muhammad and all the Muslims. But if Muhammad achieves victory, we're in trouble because we committed treason of the highest rank. Therefore, the leader of Banu Quraidha, his name was Ka'b ibn Sa'd. He's the leader of Banu Quraidha. He had taken an oath from Huyay ibn Akhtab, the culprit, the instigator. He told him, look, if the Ahzab leave and they're defeated and Muhammad gains victory, you're not going any. You're not going anywhere. You're not going to go back to Khaybar because Huyay ibn Akhtab was living in Khaybar at the time when the Prophet exiled his tribe for committing treason. He went to Khaybar. He told him, don't think you're going to go to Khaybar and be safe. You're staying in our fort and you will share us our fate. Whatever happens to us, happens to you. Deal? He says deal. Like, okay, let's commit treason. This is a condition they put with Huyay ibn Akhtab. Don't think we're going to let you put us in trouble and then you're going to escape. No, no, you're staying here. Okay. The Jews decided to be strong meaning arrogant and stubborn and not surrender to Muslims and to maintain their grounds and not even apologize. The Prophet told his companions, let's confront them. They're not willing to come down here to talk to us. Shoot them with arrows. They're in the fort. They're not going to get killed, but shoot them to scare them, to tell them that we are dead serious about this. So the companions of the Prophet, they started to shoot their fortress with arrows. Now the Prophet asked his companions to camp not far from Bani Quraidha from their fort because the night came in, let's go and camp there, let's eat some dates, let's gain some strength. The next day we'll come and do this and siege them until they give up. How long did the siege last? We have many different narrations because maybe different historians um, you know, would count these events differently. Like when did the Muslims leave? The first one to leave, the last one to leave. So some narrations indicate this. The siege lasted for days without telling us how many days. Some historians state 21 days the siege lasted. Some say 10, day, 10 days. Some say 14 days and some say one month. It seems, it seems the siege lasted about two weeks. If we take all these narrations, about two to three weeks is how long the siege lasted. The Prophet and his companions are surrounding the fort of Banu Quraidha. The Banu Quraidha are in their fort, they're not coming down, but they're, they have besieged them. So this lasted for about two to three weeks. After two to three weeks of being besieged, one of the Jewish guys of Bani Quraidha, his name is Nabash ibn Qais. Nabash means grave digger in Arabic or digger. Nabash ibn Qais 
when he saw the siege is prolonged, you know, how long can we survive like this? Because when you're besieged, you can't do your business, you can't bring in food, you're not going to last for long. So they realized, you know what, we need to negotiate with Muhammad. So Nabash ibn Qais, he made the following negotiations with the Prophet after the Jews got tired. He came to Muhammad, he told him, Oh Muhammad, remember Banu Nadir, that first, that, that other Jewish tribe, they committed treason, they tried to kill you. You exiled them, you kicked them out of the Medina area. Do the same to us. Kick us out. You can have our fort, our farmlands, whatever property we have here, but our valuable belongings, we'll take them. On camels, camel loads, we'll take our belongings and we'll go. Banu Nadir, you didn't kill any of them. You didn't enslave their women. You did not enslave their children. You just exiled them. Do the same to us. The Prophet said, no, I refuse. He said, okay, take our property as well and all our belongings. We're not going to leave, we'll leave empty-handed. Whatever money we have inside the fort, furniture that we have, anything that we have, it's all yours and the Muslims. Let us just be exiled. The Prophet said, no. He was not their main leader, but one of their sub-leaders, let's say. The Prophet said, no. I only accept to negotiate with you if you accept my judgment that I will pass. You can't put any preconditions on me. I will decide what happens to you and your tribe. Question, why did the Prophet reject his offer? Whereas Banu Nadir and Banu Qaynaqa, the Prophet just exiled them. Yeah, they had treaties too. So they're telling him, do the same with us. Okay, we committed treason. Remember, they're not apologetic here. He's just telling him, give us the same fate of Banu Nadir. The Prophet said, no, I refuse. Why did the Prophet refuse? Yeah, of course, he has commands from Allah, but we're trying to rationalize the position of Islam. See, number one, we already have to learn from previous experiences. Huyay ibn Akhtab is the leader of Banu Nadir. The Prophet let him go, he didn't sit still. He came and he caused the Ahzab. He went and he mobilized. These Bani Quraidah have demonstrated their evilness. Why should the Prophet let them go? Because the minute he lets them go, they're going to conspire with more Arab tribes. Next month they'll come back and besiege Medina. You can't trust them. Number two, they were so arrogant, they did not apologize. You committed treason, you almost killed all Muslims. Yeah, just exile us, at least apologize. Say to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, we apologize, we regret this, give us another chance, he would have. But they're not apologetic. When the Muslims came, they cussed at the name of the Prophet. The Prophet says, no, not you guys. See, the other tribes, first of all, the size of their treason was not as big as Banu Quraidah. Banu Qaynaqa, they harassed that Muslim lady in the market, they embarrassed her and they killed one Muslim man. But they didn't conspire with Arab tribes to uproot all Muslims overnight. Same with Banu Nadir, they tried to kill the Prophet, but they didn't have like a plan to come and attack Medina. What these guys did was huge. 
they conspired with 10,000 soldier enemies telling them come we'll make an attack inside their treason was of a bigger side number two how many times do you give chances the prophet is the prophet of rahmah if he would have you know punished Banu Qaynaqa oh look at this messenger he claims I'm the messenger of mercy they broke a treaty he's not tolerant the prophet says no I'm tolerant once I tolerated these Jews number two second time but not the third time you can't just be off the hook like that especially when they're not even apologizing and they're not regretting what they did why why should I accept your offer why should I so the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa basically rejected his proposal because the prophet was telling him number one don't put conditions I decide why do you decide what happens when you've committed the treason number two I don't trust you guys you're going to leave and conspire you're going to collaborate with other tribes so you accept what I will say he said no let me go and speak to the chiefs of my tribe and I'll tell you what they say so Nabash returns to the fort he tells them the conversation that happened between him and the Prophet. Who was the chief of Banu Qurayla? Ka'b ibn Sa'd. Remember, he's the chief of Banu Qurayla. He spoke to his people in the fort and he told them, I give you three proposals. Now that Muhammad has not accepted to exile us and he wants to give us another rule, we don't know what it is. I have three proposals. The first proposal, let's embrace Islam. We know all of us he's a prophet. Let's stop denying this reality. We know he's a prophet. The Torah confirms this fact. We have seen his descriptions in our books. And then Kaab reminded them of an incident that happened a long time ago when a Jewish scholar gave them advice. Basically, what happened is that a Jewish scholar by the name of Ibn Hawass, he visited these Jews a long time ago and he told them that I have come to this place, I've left the dunya, I've left my you know entertainment and the pleasures of this life, I've come here because in our books I've read that the final prophet would come from Medina, so I'm here waiting for him to support him and I'm giving you advice, O Jews, if you see that prophet emerge, support him. Don't stand against him. Do not engage in deception. Be the first ones to follow him. Kaab is saying, don't you remember that? The, isn't it time for you to accept this prophet? Just accept him. If we surrender, we accept him, he'll forgive us. And then he told them, but... I know what's, what's our problem, jealousy, we're jealous of him, why is he Arab, why is he from the line of Ismail, not from Bani Israel, not from the line of Ishaq, Isaac, we all know the reason, we're arrogant, let's just accept this prophet. What was their response? They told him never, we'll never follow another tribe, we Jews were the leaders, we never will become followers to another person or group. We have the Torah, you want us to come and follow these guys? Never. Cap tried to admonish them, please accept my advice, I'm your leader, let's accept. They said no. 
And who convinced them to say no? Huyay ibn Akhtab, that chief instigator. He kept talking to them, talking to them because when he said these words, they made a lot of sense. They kind of got confused. But Huyay ibn Akhtab, that evil Jewish tribal leader from another tribe who started all of this, he convinced them not to. So they rejected his first proposal. Sorry, Ka'ab, we're not going to accept your first proposal. Yalla, tell us what's your second proposal. He said, okay. If you're not going to accept and you want to fight, let's fight like men. <laughs> How? What do you mean fight like men? He's like, let's kill all the women and our children in the fort. Then come out of our forts holding our swords like brave lions who've lost everything and there's nothing to go back to in this dunya and fight till the last blood that you have. At least have dignity then. If you guys are not going to follow him, what do you want to do then? Kill the woman and the children so you have nothing to worry about so you can fight till the last moment. See because if you're told your family's killed, you don't have a family to go back to, you're going to fight with all your strength because there's nothing preoccupying your mind. Oh, let me go back to my family. <laughs> it, basically, it's a way to make them aggressive, right? To inflict maximum damage on these Muslims. He told them, if we get killed, the Muslims kill us, which probably will happen because this prophet is supported by God. We have nothing to worry about. Our women and children are killed so they won't be enslaved after us. See, if you know, if you go to a place knowing that if you will get killed, your family is going to be enslaved. That's tough. So it's like, let's just kill them. But he has no heart. How do you kill women and children? He said, let's kill them. We'll go and fight the Muslims. If we die, we die. Okay, we have nothing to worry about. If we achieve victory, we'll marry again. We'll have children again. No big deal. Huyay <laughs> ibn Akhtab, he laughed at this proposal. He's like, are you out of your mind? Never, we'll never accept this proposal. No, yalla, tell us what's your third proposal. Other Jews, other Jews, they commented. He's like, there's no uh, goodness to this life if these women and children are killed. You want us to go kill these Muslims? If we're victory, we come back to an empty fort? Forget it, we're not going to do that. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> some of them had some sanity in them. They're like, give us your third proposal. Then what's your third proposal? He said, okay, if you don't accept proposal one, you don't accept proposal two, then I have one more left. This night is Friday night. Tomorrow's the Sabbath. We Jews are known for being low profile on the Sabbath. We don't make any movements. We don't fight. We don't do anything. We just stay put in our fort. So let's deceive Muhammad and his companions. They will not be too cautious tomorrow because it's a Saturday, because they, they know it's our Sabbath and we're not going to do anything. But let's break the Sabbath, make a surprise attack and kill them. How about this? Let's take advantage of their um, negligence or their lack of attention, their lack of awareness and let's make a surprise attack. They also rejected this proposal. But you know what's the funniest thing? The justification they give for rejecting this proposal. 
they told him, you're, you're asking us to break the Sabbath? How dare you? The Torah condemns the one who breaks the Sabbath. We'll never do that. No, this is haram in our Sharia. We can't break the Sabbath. Subhanallah. This is a prime example of hypocritical religiosity, hypocrisy in religion. You don't want to violate the Sabbath haram, but you commit treason and deception and you want to kill innocent people. That's okay, but violating the Sabbath is not okay. One um, person told me, this person works in Jerusalem, works at a hospital. <laughs> this person said the funniest thing is that I'll go to the hospital, the person is still there, I'll go to the hospital on a Saturday and this Jewish doctor comes and let's say the room is a little bit cold, you want to increase the temperature. The, the doctor will tell me, can you please you know, push the button, the thermostat to make this a little bit warmer. I'm like, what's the matter with you? Are you paralyzed? No, this is, today's the Sabbath. I can't touch any electronic devices. <laughs> and, then, and then the person says, this doctor engages in deception and fraud. He does all these things, but haram. He's, it's haram for him to touch a button. Look at the hypocrisy. Sabbath, eh? The Sabbath is the Sabbath. Those who are orthodox and they're observing, on the Sabbath, they can't do anything. They can't drive, they can't use a computer, they can't use technology, they can't push up. Those who are extreme, of course, they take it to that extreme. Now look, such beliefs have no value. Why? Even in, in, in the Muslim community, you see people like that. They commit theft, fraud, but maybe the prayer, they'll never skip a prayer. Right? They'll go to bad places, right? But they have to eat halal over there, right? And if there's no halal, you know, they'll let hell be loose that day. <laughs> Some people are willing to die for these technical things. Habibi, religion is submitting to Allah, is being decent. You want to, two minutes ago, you were considering killing innocent women and children. Now suddenly the Sabbath is a big deal, subhanAllah how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blinds them. Now, let's briefly examine why they rejected these proposals. The first proposal, obviously, because of their stubbornness, they knew that the Prophet was a prophet, but they did not want to submit to him. As for the third suggestion, let's break the Sabbath and go. First of all, this indicates they underestimate the Prophet. You think the Prophet and the Muslims are that gullible? that they're going to be sleeping on the Saturday so you can make a surprise attack? Isn't it proven to you this man is connected to Jibra'il and God? How many more proofs do you need? They still are trying to come up with a tactic. Like they're, they're, they're literally planning against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a plan. They're trying to play their chessboard with God. Let, 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 me, let me try this. Habibi, you know God is on the other side with them. What are you trying to do? Like literally, what are you trying to do? <laughs> so they underestimated the Muslims and the fact that the Prophet was connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're in denial. Absolutely. And Allah blinded them, by the way. 
And they put themselves in this miserable position. They were living beautifully, peacefully with the Prophet in Medina. They had their markets. The Muslims would do business with them. They had a stronghold on the economy. The Prophet gave you the protection of the Muslim state. Why did you go and commit treason? Why? What was missing in your town, in your life, in your fort? You had everything that you wanted. And how Allah blinded them. Initially, they broke the treaty with the Prophet. They went to the Ahzab, they conspired. Remember from our previous courses, now that the night of the Sabbath came, when the Arabs told them, let's make a surprise attack tomorrow, they backed out. Why did you back out? You came this far? <laughs> They're like, no, remember Nu'aym's plot or the Prophet's plot? Uh, basically, it was said to them that the Ahzab, the, the Quraysh, they're going to abandon you guys. So demand hostages from them. Remember that plot? And that's how it failed. Either don't commit treason, or if you commit treason, go all the way. Go with the plan. They backed out last minute. When the Ahzab wanted to make their final surprise attack, they backed out. Because they didn't trust the Ahzab now due to that plot that Nu'aym or the Prophet made. Allah, blind, Allah just blinded them, but in the end, they put themselves in this position. Finally, finally, okay, you guys made a mistake, apologize. Come to the Prophet genuinely, sincerely, ask him for forgiveness. They're not willing to do that. They're not willing to fix things with Muslims. Okay, you guys are asking for it. Do you guys see the, the sequence of events here? Orientalists don't like to admit to any of this. Ah, Muhammad killed 700 Jews. What are you talking about? You have to see what happened here. Of course, it's not 700, but that figure, whatever it is, inshallah, we'll examine that in our next class. How many Jews were, were killed because of this. But you have to understand the whole context and the backdrop of what was happening. Okay. He's telling them, he's telling them Muhammad is a prophet. Until when do you guys reject the truth? But they're stubborn. Exactly. That shows that he is also the culprit. You as a leader, don't give them an give them an ultimatum. Tell them, I am going there and surrendering to Muhammad, whether you like it or not, I'm your leader. They would have followed. Because when your leader goes openly, makes an announcement, you just you have no choice but to follow. But see, he also was wishy-washy.